Chapter 13 of The Sikh Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Omar Dutre. The Sikh Religion, Its Gurus, Sacred Writings and Authors by Max Otter McAuliffe. Volume 1, Chapter 13. The Guru then turned his thoughts towards Ceylon and succeeded in reaching that country where he took his seat in Raja Shivnath's garden. At the time it was barren, but it is said to have become green on the Guru's arrival. The gardener requested the king to go and see the fakir, who had conjured the withered garden to bloom anew. The king sent beautiful damsels to dance before the Guru, and tempted him with their charms. The Guru, wrapped up in his own thoughts, neither spoke to them, nor noticed them. The king came and inquired his name, caste, and whether he was a jogi. The guru replied as follows. The jogi, who is associated with the name and is pure, hath not a particle of uncleanness. He who keepeth within him the name of the beloved, which is ever true, hath escaped birth and death. The king asked if he were a brahman. The guru replied. He is a Brahman who had divine knowledge for his ablutions, and God's praises for the leaves of his worship. There is but one name, one God, one light in the three worlds. The king asked if he were a shopkeeper. The guru replied, Make thy heart the scale, thy tongue the beam, and weigh the inestimable name. There is but one shop, one merchant above all, the dealers are many. The king again inquired if he were a Hindu or a Muhammadan. The guru continued his enigmatic replies. The true guru had solved the problem of the two ways. It is he who fixed attention on the one God, and whose mind, wherever it not, who can understand it. He who abideth in the world, and ever worshipeth day and night, had ended his doubts. The king then asked if he were Gorakhnath. The Guru showed no inclination to directly gratify his curiosity. Avavas is the sky. Gorak is above the sky. His inaccessible form dwelleth there. By the favour of the Guru, whether I am abroad or at home is the same to me. Nanak had become such an adkorat. When the Guru had ended, the king invited him to go to his palace and see his queen. He gave him an opportunity of expounding his doctrines to her. It was during Guru Nanak's visit to Ceylon that he composed the Prasangali, which contained an account of the silent palace of God, the manner of meditating on him, the private utterances of the Guru, and the nature of the soul and body. The following are its opening verses. The supreme state is altogether a void, all people say. In the supreme state there is no rejoicing or mourning. In the supreme state there are felt no hopes or desires. In the supreme state are sin, no costs or cost marks. In the supreme state are no sermons or singing of hymns. In the supreme state abideth heavenly meditation. In the supreme state are those who know themselves. Nanak, my mind is satisfied with the supreme state. 
Sado and Keho subsequently wrote out the Prasangali from memory. On his return to India, the Guru, having heard of the fair of Shibrat, went to Achalbatala to preach his doctrines. The whole country crowded to see and hear him, and showered offerings on him. The yogis, on witnessing his success, became very jealous and determined to humble him. Vangarnath, their superior, asked him why he mixed a seed with his milk, that is, why he a holy man led a family life. When the milk becometh sour, said Vagarnath, no butter is produced by churning. Why hast thou doffed thy hermit's dress, and donned ordinary clothes? The Guru replied, O Vangarnath, thy mother was an unskillful woman. She knew not how to wash the churn, and so spoiled the butter in producing thee. Thou hast become an anchoret after abandoning thy family life, and yet thou goest to bake to the houses of family men. When thou doest nothing here, what canst thou obtain hereafter? Vanganath made no reply to Guru's question, but broached another subject. O Nanak, thou hast exhibited miracles to the world. Why art thou slow to exhibit them to us also? The Guru replied, I have nothing worth showing you. Man had absolutely no shelter except in the companionship of the hymns of the Guru. Were man to move the art, that would not induce God to grant him undeserved favours. Hear the word, I speak verily, I have no miracle except the true name. Were I to put on a dress of fire, construct a house of snow and eat iron, were I to turn all my troubles into water, drink it, and drive the earth as a steed, were I able to put the firmament into one scale and weigh it with a tank, were I to become so large that I could be nowhere contained, and were I to lead every one by the nose, had I such power in myself that I could perform such things or cause others to perform them, it would be all in vain. As great as the Lord is, so great are His gifts. He bestoweth according to His pleasure. Nanak, he on whom God looketh with favour, obtaineth the glory of the true name. In Batala, the Guru vanquished in argument all priests who attended the fair, and obliged the followers of the six schools of philosophy to bow before him. The yogis finally complimented him on his success and said, Hail, O Nanak, great are thy deeds. Thou hast arisen a great being, and little light in this last age of the world. It was the time the yogis took their daily wine, and the goblet was accordingly passed around. On its reaching the Guru, he asked what it was. They said it was the Sid's cup. He inquired what it contained. They said molasses and the flower of Taba plant, of which Indian spirits are made. The Guru then uttered the following hymn. Make divine knowledge thy molasses, meditation thy Taba flowers, good actions thy fermenting bark to put into them. Make the love of God thy furnace, devotion the sealing of the steel. In this way shall nectar be distilled. Father, by quaffing the divine juice, the mind becometh intoxicated and easily absorbed in God's love. I have arranged to fix my attention on God day and night, 
and heart the unbeaten sound. God is true, his cup is pure, he giveth it to drink to him, on whom he casteth a favouring glance. Why should he, who dwelleth in nectar, feel love for paltry wine? The Guru's word is a nectar speech, by drinking it man becometh acceptable. When man performeth service at God's gate, to obtain a sight of him, what careth he for salvation or paradise? He who is dyed with God's praises, never loveth the world, and loseth not his life in the game. Saith Nanak, hear Jogi Bhartari, I am intoxicated with the nectarous stream. The Jogis inquired if he lived by begging. The Guru replied, Why should he who is absorbed in the formless go to beg alms? They then asked, if he were an Udasi or hermit, the Guru replied, He who taketh the sword of knowledge, and wrestleth with his heart, who knoweth the secrets of the ten organs of action, and perception, and of the five evil passions, who cannot divine knowledge to his mind, who maketh pilgrimage on each of the three hundred sixty days of the year, who washeth the filth of pride from his heart, Nanak said, he is hermit. The Jogis then asked the Guru if he were an Adhat. The Guru told him what an Adhat ought to be. He is a servant of the Guru who restraineth his sexual organs, whose heart is free from worldly desires, whose words are true, and who receiveth as his alps the glance with which the merciful one beholdeth him. Know him to be the meek whose heart is meek and whose instruction is the profitable word. Nanak said, He is an adhat, whose mind is not fickle, who goeth not to spectacles, or to gamble or play chopper, who attacheth not his mind to things bad or good, who weareth on his body whatever is given by the Guru, who, when he goeth to another's house, talketh not scandal, who observeth the restraint put on him by the true Guru, and who receiveth the Guru's instructions, O holy man, Nanak said, such a man is an author. The Jogis then desired to know if he were a Jogi, and the Guru replied, To remain seated without support, to collect and restrain the five evil passions, to sleep little and take scant food, to keep God over the saintly body, to be constant in devotion, penance, self-restraint and remembrance of God. Nanak said, These are the marks of a jogi. When he speaketh, he uttereth divine wisdom. He day and night waketh in the contemplation of God. He attacheth a string to the vacant sphere, and by the Guru's favour never died. All the gods do obeisance to him, who in this way performeth the Guru's service, and who alloweth not his tongue to taste dainties. Nanak said, these are the marks of a jogi. He who effaceth wrath, avarice, and greed, who quenched the fire of the five evil passions within his heart, who day and night fleeth the kite, by which divine knowledge is produced, and evil inclinations depart, who cherisheth holiness, restraineth his evil passions, and repeateth no spell but the Guru's, the habits of that good man are the best. Nanak said, These are the marks of a jogi. 
He who maketh his body the vessel, remembrance of God his milk, who putteth pure truth into it as his acid, who by contrivance and effort easily coddled the milk, or that contrivance it would be spoiled, who useth divine knowledge as his charming stuff, and the name as its string, who in this way repeateth only the name, and who by rolling and rolling extracted the butter, Nanak said, These are the marks of a jogi. The jogis wondered if he were a bairagi. The Guru defined the word for them. He is a bairagi who is sold to God, who in the presence of God subdueth mammon, who performeth the work of God and mammon, who beareth an unbearable and intangible thing, who hath abandoned wrath, avarice, and pride. Nanak said, Such a man is a bairagi. He who abideth lonely in the house of enjoyment, and dwelleth in the house of worship, where the cat fleet at the sound of a mouse, Nanak said, is a bairagi. He is a bairagi who embraceth contentment, who reserved his breath and is absorbed in God, who subjected to himself the five senses. Such a bairagi shall rise higher than sheep. He who recounteth evil ways, and fixeth his attention on the one God, Nanak said, is a bairagi. Upon this, the followers of Goraknath pressed a guru to adopt the style of a jogi. The guru asked them to describe a jogi. They replied, A jogi weareth earrings, a patched coat, carried a wallet, a staff, and a deer's horn which sounded through the world. The jogis were proceeding to give a further description of the sect when the Guru interrupted and offered spiritual substitutes for all the externals of a yogi. Put the Guru's word into the heart, for the rings in thine ears, wear the patched coat of forbearance. Whatever God doeth, consider as good. In this way shalt thou easily obtain the treasure of Jog. O Father, in this way the soul, which hath been a pilgrim in every age, united with the supreme essence. He who obtaineth the ambrosial name of the Pure One, and maketh reflection his jogi's cup, divine knowledge his stuff, and the omnipresent, the ashes, his spirit on his body, shall enjoy the great elixir of divine knowledge. May God's praise thy prayer, the Guru's instruction thy sect of atheids, the renunciation of desires and quarrels, thy seating in contemplation in God's citadel. From the sound of thy horn, a melody shall thus be produced, which day and night shall fill thee with music. In everything is thy light contained, O God, and many and various are its colours, saith Nanak. Here, Jogi Vartari, the primal God is the sole object of my love. During his residence in Batala, the Guru composed the Sith Ghost a treatise from which the yogis are said to have derived spiritual consolation. End of chapter 13